Hi, you're listening to Maria Henderson. I am a undefeated amateur fighter fighting out of Phoenix, Arizona from the MMA lab. You're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Nee Wallace-Bruce, a.k.a. NWB. And I'm joined by a very special guest. She is from the flyweight division of the UFC. And in fact, she's got a fight coming up in Las Vegas. So we're going to get into all of that because it is the mighty. It's the, the, the maverick, the one you should be fearing, Miranda Maverick. Miranda, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you here. And Miranda, how did you get started in MMA? Um, I'm asked that question a lot, and there's so many ways to answer it from a very early age on. So one, to start, it was like, I think I was 14 years old when I watched the first women's fight in the UFC, and that was Ronda Rousey versus Liz Carmouche. And I was sitting on the sofa with my dad, and he was like, you could do that one day. And I remember being like, I didn't even know girls fought, and I don't want to do that one day. I don't want punched. And uh, he was like, well, you were raised for it. You know, you came... You came up hard, you worked on the farm and all that, you'd be good at it, you could be the champion one day. And I just like shook my head and we laughed about it and went on. And then uh, two years later, I went from wrestling around at home and him teaching me like little basics of jujitsu from us watching the UFC, like how to do an arm bar, how to do a choke, that kind of thing, to asking him if I could go to an actual gym and train jujitsu. And so I did and fell in love with it almost instantaneously. And within two weeks, I was in love and started thinking about doing MMA as well. And once I finally decided I wanted to do MMA, I waited until I turned 18 because that was the law in the state of Missouri where I was at. And uh, at 18 years old, I took my first fight and said if I lost or if I didn't like the feeling of punching this girl in the face, I would never do it again. But if I won and I liked it, I would go be the best I could be. And I won my first fight within the first round and the rest is history. There we go. And you want ten more after that? So you've got a <laughs> you've got a fine record of eleven and four. Mm-hmm. Nothing to be sniffed at. You've also got a brown belt, is that right? That's correct. Is that a brown belt in jiu-jitsu or karate? Yes, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yes. Nice one. And which gym do you fight out of? So I moved to Colorado as of September of last year, and so now I fight out of Denver Easton. All right, there we go. How do you find the elevation? Have you acclimatized to that? Uh, very much so. It took a couple months, but now I feel great out here. And if I go anywhere else, I feel like I have cardio that could last for days. <laughs> well, that could be an advantage for your your fight in uh, in uh, about a week or two. I think so. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of the team elevation people are really successful in the longer rounds and are good at the title fights and everything else is having that elevation advantage to most fighters. There we go. So take us through your camp for your upcoming fight uh, on March March 12th. Well, there hasn't been much of a camp. Obviously, it was very short notice. I had, you know, two weeks and a couple days when I took the fight. 
And so right now it's just a matter of making sure my endurance is where it needs to be and making sure my my weight is good and just training hard and training smart, trying to game plan for this opponent. But uh, I have been in fight shape and been training hard for the past you know few months, um, helping other training partners get ready for their fights and also just keeping myself busy between fights, making sure I'm improving. There we go. We'd love to see it. And you're fighting Savina Ma- Mazo, I believe that's Mazo, yeah. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> in your C fight now, so all the best for that fight. We look forward to see, seeing you do well and getting the W there. We like to see that in the process podcasters. Thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. You know, I was uh, interested in fighting her a long time ago when she was the champion of LFA. And I remember thinking, ah, let me look up this Sabina Mazo girl and see what she's all about because I might go ask them to fight her for the championship belt. And I ended up getting a fight offer from Invicta, but I got to watch her tape back then, and now I'm watching it again. And, you know, I'm excited for this matchup. I think it's a really good one, and I'm going to get to kind of show a lot of improvements this fight. That's what we want to see. Now, just thinking about your nickname, how did you come to get the the nickname Fear the Maverick? <laughs> so I'm a pretty nice person in real life. I don't typically get into fights outside of the sanctioned events and things of that nature. And when I used to fight in Invicta, I would go up to the girls before we would even fight. And I'd be like, hi, how are you? I hope you don't get hurt tomorrow. You know, be super nice. And my coaches <laughs> were always like, you need to quit being so nice. You need to make them fear you. You need to make them fear the Maverick. And eventually they started saying that more and more and it just started sticking and other people would hear it too and say it. And uh, yeah, it just stuck. There we go. Fear the Maverick. No, I'm a big fan of that. And if I'm not mistaken, that's actually your that's actually your Twitter handle. So if you want to follow Miranda, you can follow her on Twitter at Fear the Maverick. That's right. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's all the same. I made it nice and easy for everybody. That's what we like. Nice and simple. No. Yep. Miranda, tell us a little bit about the initiative called Rogan Emu. What's that all about? So, Marshall Rogan Emu, um, it's a new cryptocurrency project, and they've actually like really been investing in fighters and really trying to help fighters with the whole, you know, as far as professional athletes, we don't get paid much compared to others, and they're basically sponsoring MMA fighters, and at the same time, helping us to advertise the whole cryptoverse, as you want to say, or the advantage of being investing in cryptocurrency, you know, and that goes all the way to the Ukraine war. Now you see that a lot of banks and stuff like that are shutting down and cryptocurrency is becoming a new method of payment for a lot of people to be able to use. And they're just another token out there. MRI tokens is what they are. I think they're available on a lot of the, the regular like crypto apps, Coinbase and things of that nature. I'd have to ask to be specific on exactly which ones they're at, but they have MRI tokens and it'll help support fighters and, you know, help invest in crypto. That's a pretty cool initiative because, yes, I, I learned only recently that in MMA there's like a, a payment for appearing at the fight and then you also get a payment if you win the fight. But then what a lot of fans miss is the fact that what that earning um, that you take is not actually what you put in your pocket because then you got to pay for your gym, you got to pay your coaches – depending on the state of the U.S. that you're in or wherever you're fighting, you might have to pay taxes to that yeah, location. Exactly. So taxes are a lot of it, and because they don't take taxes out automatically, it's something that fighters have to be really smart about in saving up for the yearly taxes. And then 
on top of that, there are coaches and there's manager fees and there's gym fees and not to mention any recovery or injuries you may suffer that aren't caught right after the fight you've got to cover, you know, and then just the living expenses at the end of the day, especially if you get hurt and can't fight for a year, that's your only income for a lot of fighters. And it's not that much money unless you're a huge superstar like Conor McGregor. Yeah, that's important to note that the, I know, especially the UFC franchises got a pretty wide net of people, but we sometimes we forget beyond those big bigger names like Conor McGregor and others that there's so many fighters and not everyone's on the same level as Conor McGregor in terms of pay and I guess just getting looked after, but <laughs> I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to make yourself have a personality out there and make yourself be different than other fighters. Um, and different people do it different ways. Unfortunately, the uh, shit talkers and the ones that take the bad guy route uh, usually get more attention just because they're louder about stuff. Um, I choose not to do that because of my morals and values, even while I'm fighting. But I figure I'll show my stuff by going in there and being a good fighter on top of having my own personality and showing those values without uh, regret. That's pretty cool. I, I like that you stuck to sticking to your principles, and I'll probably never ever step into an octagon. But if I did, I would probably lean to your side of things. I'd probably be that kind of fighter. I, I wouldn't say a lot, but I let I let my my fight do the talking for me, mm-hmm. which which is what you do out there. And I mean that, that fight against Julian Robinson that was that was an epic <laughs> <laughs> epic victory for you. Thank you. What what would you say has been your most memorable fight so far in your career? Hmm, memorable. I'm not sure. It's kind of hard to say. Probably my UFC debut, just because there's no other emotions, like finally reaching that dream, finally getting in there. And I just got done facing a lot of hardships, too. And to get in there and win, like, basically a picture-perfect debut in terms of I couldn't have imagined it ending any better, other than maybe me having her hands on her when it stopped. I like that I was able to show a new element of myself, which was the striking, and go in there and show out against another high-level opponent. Yeah, and... You made it to, the, I guess, the top of MMA through the UFC. Was that always the dream? Was that always the goal for you? That was always the goal, was to reach the UFC. But something that I think is important as a human and as a fighter for myself is that your goalposts always need to be able to move. You know, once I got to the UFC, obviously that wasn't the end of my goals. I wasn't like, okay, now we're done fighting because I made it to the UFC. Then it's, okay, now I want to make it to the top 15. Well, then I got to there. Now it's to the top 10, then the top 5, then the title contender, and then eventually hold the title. And I think if you're a fighter and the goal is not to be having the title, then what's the point? Yeah, and that's it because you literally shed blood sweat and tears in that octagon you give it mm-hmm. your all you know you and your opponent you go on hell for leather you, you go even 110 percent it's yeah I, I get it you might as well shoot for the moon go for the top this episode is brought to you by kettlebell kickboxing canada get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs so sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Sports, and that's something else a lot of fans don't understand is how much work and how much talent it actually takes to be in there. You know, I hear people, and I'll, I'll 
use the Jillian fight as an example of this. A lot of people were like, we're big Jillian fans. She's awesome at jujitsu. She's awesome at this. And then as soon as I went in there and beat her, they were like, oh, she sucks. Her jujitsu sucks. We could see that when she went against Maverick. And I'm like, no, you don't get to change your mind in 15 minutes of a fight. You know, like we're all high level athletes. We're all some of the best in the world. So even if you see one getting beat by another, they're still at the top of their game. You know, it's just one matchup may be not as good for them. One person may even have an off night. We're just all very good athletes at the top of the sport. So there is nobody that's bad or good. And I experienced that with the Macy fight. You know, I lost the decision, regardless of whether I think it was a right or wrong decision, along with a lot of other people. It's one of those things where people will be like, well, you shouldn't have let it go to the judges, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's easy to say until you go against somebody else who's been training their whole life for this sport and their whole life's on the line when they go in there. It's a little harder. It's not like we're mixed matched as far as skill. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's different styles, different uh, different physiques and whatnot. It's never an exact science. But one thing I did want to ask up front uh, is you mentioned adversity. You mentioned you had to overcome a few things to get to where you are today you mind telling our audience a little bit more about that? Yeah, so everything from injuries to me moving and having other things going on on the side, which I still have going on. You know, I started fighting as a professional fighter while I was doing full-time schooling, and I was a full-time employee working as a waitress through college. And my whole career has basically been that. And right now I have a part-time job that's more of an adult job, so to speak. You know, I'm a part-time contracted statistician for Hershey. So it's a pretty good job on the side of fighting and I'm finishing up my thesis. Now I don't have much schoolwork to do. It's not like I'm doing classes every day. I just have a little bit of research to do and revising this paper that I'm writing. But it's still things on my mind, other things that I'm having to do. And it makes it a little bit harder in the realm of having to schedule and train. But it's also one of those things where I wouldn't have it any other way because it's giving me other avenues to life. And routing into other adversities, I've had enough injuries to realize that I need other avenues in life. All it takes is one second in there, one injury, and you're out for life, potentially. And I don't want to be one of those fighters that just has nothing else going on to the point that I'm just left there going and seeking a minimum wage job somewhere because I don't have any job history or experience or education. And so that's why I've kind of chose the road that I have is I felt that pain before. You know, I had knee surgery when I was 20 that was told it was going to put me out. I might not even walk again because I had complete reconstructive surgery tore my ACL, MCL, medial and lateral meniscus, my LCL, my PCL, like tore literally every ligament in my knee at one time and had never had any prior injuries, which was unheard of. Um, Ended up getting the surgery and I came back fine. Miracle of God. Mm. And then Another time when I was getting ready for my UFC debut in June of 2020, I was told that I couldn't pass the eye exam two days before I was supposed to fight short notice for my first ever UFC fight. Mm -hmm. And so I had to drop out of that fight and was told that both of my retinas were torn and I would have to do emergency surgery and I would never fight again. And it was one of those times where at that point I was distraught. You know, my life was basically over in my mind because I was told I wouldn't be able to look at computer screens. I was told I wouldn't be able to do any pressure oriented athletic events or anything, which took out, you know, my family's farm. I wouldn't be able to do much there, even, uh, you know, childbirth or raising kids, like all these other aspects of life that you think about were all ripped out of my hands. 
And again, I ended up having an excellent surgeon after looking at very many that said no and we can never get you back. Finally found one that was like, I think we can do it and I think we can get you back fighting. And that happened and that was another miracle. But it really opened my eyes to where I don't take any second that I'm in there for granted. And mm. I made sure that I had other avenues to go to. Absolutely. No, that's that's phenomenal that you were able to to not only come back from those setbacks in terms of the injuries, but able to get back into the octagon and win. So that's that's phenomenal. That's amazing. Thank you. So when do we get to say fear the doctor? <laughs> I assume so. <laughs> so a lot of people don't know or they haven't seen it or heard it, but I actually last May was my last classes at my school and I'm just still working on my thesis, which is actually for my master's. I was uh, given the unfortunate ultimatum from my school, which I'm still kind of uh, mad about, to either pick my PhD or MMA. Oh. And um, it wasn't uh, really a backed decision. There was no reason for them to give me that ultimatum. I was keeping up with school. I had great grades. I was a good teaching assistant. Um, I think it was kind of a discriminatory thing, but it was one of those things where uh, I wasn't being an involved student, you know, going and hanging out with other students. And Is it because you're female? Or well, I don't know. I think it was campus? the fighting and stuff was kind of looked down upon by certain members of the campus and the campus itself was proud but my program was not and i won't get too much into it because i'm still trying to get my thesis from yeah, them and sure. don't want to ruin that opportunity <laughs> but uh yeah i obviously chose fighting because i could go and go back and get my education at any point i think phd was one of those like things that i was really blessed to be able to go after and it didn't work out but now i have a job with my master's that would have been the same job that i would have sought for my phd and maybe I'll never need it. And I'm happy where I'm at. And it ended up being the best thing for my life that I left that school and was able to move out to Colorado sooner and train with what I consider one of the best teams in the world. There we go. And the f yeah, you've, you've also planted the seeds for the future with, with the qualifications that you already have. So right. yeah, you've, you've definitely got a f foundation in case things go in a different direction. Now, right. you mentioned Hershey and I have to ask, I, I, I got to ask. What's your favorite chocolate? Oof, it's hard, but I think Reese's. Yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> I can't say no to the Reese's. The, those cups. I'm a big peanut butter person, so it's <laughs> yeah. I cannot disagree with that. I, yep. When it comes I love to it. <laughs> when it comes to peanut butter, are you a smooth or crunchy type? Uh well, it depends on what it is. But anytime I have just peanut butter with something like peanut butter and honey sandwiches, it's always the extra crunchy. Yeah, I think it depends for me. Like, if I'm eating it straight from uh, the tub or the the container, I probably like it crunchy. But if I'm spreading it on bread or whatever it is, I think I prefer it smooth. <laughs> yep, yep. I think it kind of depends for me, too, depending on uh, what I'm eating it on or with. There we go. Now, coming from actually living in Denver, coming from Missouri and relocating to Virginia briefly, did you? Do you have any, much interest in football or not really? No, unfortunately, I don't keep up with really any sports other than the UFC. That's cool. Do you watch, when you're not in camp or preparing for a fight, do you watch other fights or is it more just uh, on the day or in the lead up that you're watching fights? I enjoy watching uh, UFC fights like just on weekends and stuff. I think it's a lot of times like a team activity, you know, or a lot of my friends are in MMA. So usually I'll know somebody that's fighting 
So I'll watch the UFC fights pretty often, um, but that's really just the only sport. You know, my brother was in football for a short period of time, so I watched football then. I'll watch whatever I have someone that I care about in, but other than that, like, I don't really have time to watch sports to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a fair point. And are there any fighters that you enjoy watching or anyone that you you get inspired by? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Of course. So obviously when you have teammates or people, you know, it's hard not to be, you know, you get so nervous and so worked up when people fight. Now I have even more UFC fighters than I've ever been around to cheer on and watch. You know, I'm going to be with two teammates when I walk into the octagon March 12th. So that'll be exciting. But how oh, there's so many, like, I don't even know how to pick names anymore because there's been so many, but in the past inspirations for me have been like George St. Pierre. He's probably the number one. Mm -hmm. Um, but then as people, as well as fighters, Brian Stan was always one of my favorites watching him just because of kind of what he stood for. And like I said, like the values that he stood for mm -hmm. and now I train with her, but I've told her in the past too, when I was a really young fighter, I used to watch uh, Tisha Torres and I was like, wow, like she's so fast. Like, she has all these good moves and all the combos, and now I train with her, and it's just uh, pretty surreal, like, going from the mindset of, wow, these people are inspiring to, wow, let me see if I can help these people by training with them, <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa, you know, yeah. seeing them as uh, equals and rivals rather than just inspirations or people that came before me. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing, and you obviously didn't set limits on yourself to reach that, so mm -hmm. I, I take a bit of, uh, I guess... I gleaned some inspiration from that. Like I said, I, I probably won't end up in the octagon. I think the time for that is long past, but <laughs> in other aspects of life, I think that is definitely something that can be applicable for myself mm -hmm. and also for our listeners. Now, if your upcoming fight this month is in Las Vegas, it's a place that I've heard so much about. I've never been. I would like to go. What are two or three pl things to do or places to see when in Las Vegas? Uh, it's hard to say because of COVID and it depends on when you go. Mm -hmm. But obviously the casinos and stuff, uh, to be honest with you, I don't like it. I can't stand it. It's the whole Sin City and everything. If you go out at night, there's tons of nightlife. If you're a nightlife person, then you'll love it. And if you have money, you'll love it because you'll get to spend it on the places like the big theater events that they have and the really cool just events in general. Like they have the uh, Phantom of the Opera that they'll play. They have like acrobatic scenes that they'll do it's just really cool i unfortunately have never had the opportunity to do that or i should say i have chose not to spend my money on that stuff mm -hmm. so i just walk around and kind of people watch which i also enjoy doing fair enough i think i would probably spend my money on food yeah yeah definitely food you'd find me in some <laughs> restaurant or two maybe three <laughs> and then because i got a sweet tooth so i love dessert Okay. Casino is another hino there for me, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I get it. I get where you're coming from with that. So, no, that's fair enough. Now, Miranda, I know they called you Maverick. <laughs> Miranda, <laughs> um, where else can our listeners find you on social media? So, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, it's all Fear the Maverick. And then I also have my website, fearthemaverick.net. Like I said, everything's pretty easy to remember, all called the same thing. And I have my own like merchandise and gear line that I've started, so you can go on that website and check that out or get memorabilia like autographed pictures and stuff leading up to this fight. It helps support me, so I'd love that. And then, yeah, I'm starting to have some new designs, too, that hopefully will be designed by the time my fight comes. But unfortunately, with this short notice, I wasn't able to get the, the line done before that. So it'll probably be a couple weeks after my fight, I'll have some new clothes out, too. 
There we go. And also, be sure to check out Maverick on Rogan Inu. Marshall Rogan Inu. <laughs> That's right. Now, I appreciate your time today and all the best of the fight. It's been a pleasure to have you on. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.